Hello, and welcome to another episode of Chilling with Charlie. Today, I have a very special episode. I have the winning team of this year's Starter Bowl. We are going to talk about their entry, their day job, how they went about approaching a fresh problem, and maybe even a little bit about do knowing who the running back is doesn't matter. Thank you for joining me today, Dimitri and Philip. Running a podcast costs money. Chilling with Charlie is proudly sponsored by Betfair Australia. Betfair operates a betting exchange and is licensed in the Northern Territory of Australia. They are not a bookmaker and you can see how they champion data modelling by checking out bit.ly forward slash betfaircharlie. Gamble responsibly. Thank you for joining me on Chilling with Charlie. I have a very special episode. I have the winning team from this year's Big Data Bowl, Dimitri and Philip. Thank you both for joining me today. Thank you. My name is Dimitri. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. It's Philip here. Thank you. So I guess to begin with, are you able to tell us just about your backgrounds individually? So what got you interested in analytics, machine learning, and then what brought about wanting to enter the NFL's big data bowl? Yeah, so my background in the whole field of, let's say, data science is quite long, actually. I studied computer science, and in my master thesis and master studies, I basically already started to focus a bit on the topic of statistical analytics, and also then the field of machine learning came up and data science quite more prominent. So that's why I then delved more into it. After my studies, I did a PhD in the field. And after doing the PhD, I kind of decided to go into, into industry. So speaking for both of us, we are both currently working at the same place, which is an insurance company in Austria called Unica. And coming back to what then led us to doing the sports analytics competition, the NFL competition, is that around a year ago, we decided to start on Kaggle. So we are actually only doing it for around a year, mostly, all of the competitions we did together. Both of us have no prior experience in sports analytics itself, but we, when the competition popped up, we, we got interested in it. And as a data scientist, sometimes new kind of problems are quite interesting. So we delved into it. Things worked out quite well. We won the competition and we are also hoping to continue with sports analytics in general because both of us are sports interested quite a lot, not so much in NFL and American football, but we are getting into it. Maybe Dimitri can also add a few things. Sure. First, with my background, I studied data mining back in Moscow in Russia before I moved to Austria, which happened close to six and a half years ago. Mostly I was working in the financial industry for banks and consulting companies for quite a while until I would say one, two years ago. And two and a half years ago, I moved to data science positions. So I just tried to run away from the financial industry to something more general and more data science specific. And around a year ago, as Philip mentioned, we started actively participating in Kaggle competitions. Basically, the idea was to try everything which is out of ordinary ordinary for us in terms of day-to-day work. 
So we did all sorts of competitions before that, like NLP, text analytics, predicting earthquakes, and so on. So we were like really excited about jumping into new topics and a new type of data. And at a certain point, NFL competition popped up, and neither of us have like in-depth knowledge of American football, even rules, uh, but we're both quite excited about sports in general and about analytics. I'm following English Premier League, so I'm an Arsenal supporter. They're not doing great now, but anyway, that got me into sports and sports analytics was an interesting topic. So we got into the competition and quite quickly we got very good results there. So we got even more excited during the competition about the data and about the task. So we got more and more into it throughout the competition and we finally won which was quite amazing. And now we're really happy that we're involved in the sports analytics area. We are contacting people and we're talking about it. And this is definitely an area that's interesting to explore. Cool. So you mentioned that you two decided to enter Kaggle competitions to try to do different things from your day-to-day jobs. So I guess what are the similarities between entering Kaggle competitions and the kind of things that you are doing with your work? One of the main things a data scientist needs to do is to develop strong methodology for the models he or she is basically constructing. And also the whole area of having really robust models that also work in real life scenarios. So Also, if you want to deploy models and want to put them into production, they should be very reliable to what you can do in the modeling process. So I think for specifically those two areas, it is really, really valuable to participate and compete in Kaggle because those are two main things you learn there. You're confronted with state-of-the-art methodology and you're confronted with the fact that you need to develop strong and robust models that perform well on an unseen data set. So that's the main concept of Kaggle. And in the day-to-day business at work, it's not always possible to go really that strong into that methodological area and, and also to really validate the robustness. So I think having an outside place where you can develop your skills can also really help you at your regular work because... I think nowadays it's it's getting less and less important, I believe, that that kind of domain knowledge, because I think as a data scientist, you can adapt to new kind of fields like we are doing now for sports analytics. Of course, if you are quite, um, if, you, if you are at least a little bit skilled. So definitely it's a good thing to have general experience, not only in the field you're working at, because then you can also bring in new ideas. And the two main things I mentioned, like methodology and robustness of models, is is really valuable. That's, I think, one of the main ideas why we started on Karen. Yeah, cool. So when you were approaching the NFL data bowl, so I imagine NFL was a new sport to the both of you. How did you go about thinking about the kind of methods you'd want to use for the data set? Maybe sometimes it is really nice idea to kind of look at certain thing from the point of view that you don't have prior knowledge to that, to have different ideas, different approaches. 
For NFL, what we tried to do first of all is to learn the basics of the rules to understand what's happening and what the data is about. And secondly, to split it into like simpler, more straightforward, comprehensible pieces to proceed further. And this approach shined. With regards to the methods we applied, as Philip mentioned, it is probably less and less important to have a lot of in-depth domain knowledge to pick a method or to pick the approach which works better. And that worked really well for us because we did a lot of different stuff before that. For instance, in the NFL competition, which was really interesting and probably exciting for me as a data scientist, is that methods coming from the text analytics area were very successful. And the prior experience in like working with the text data helped us a lot. And this is something you, you, you don't plan beforehand and you cannot guess up front. So like working with the data, trying different stuff, trying one thing and failing most of your ideas is uh, very typical. Okay. So let's talk about the competition. So for those who don't know, are you able to provide us just a quick overview of what the competition was, what the question was, and then maybe start talking about the solution that you guys came up with? Yeah, sure. So the main task of the competition was to predict how far rusher will run, so how many yards. And you had the data at the point of handoff. So basically, you have the tracking data. The tracking data means you have the positions. You also have certain further information like the speed, the acceleration, and the direction and orientation of the player, and basically of all players on the field. And we only had this though at the point of handoff. And as a target to predict, we had in the training data, we knew how many yards will the rusher run. So I believe the whole tracking data usually in the NFL consists of all the frames, but basically that's the information we had at the time of handoff. And the target was to, to predict basically a cumulative distribution of the whole thing. So you need to predict the minimum amount of how far he, he will run. And you have the information for all the players on the field. And as a Kaggle competition works, usually you, you have training data, you have some kind of public leaderboard, meaning you have some data where you don't know the outcome and you have to predict it. And then you submit your solution and you see during time of the competition how well you are doing on the leaderboard. And the training data is where you have the labels and this is where you develop your solution. And what was quite novel about this competition is that in order to not have any kind of leaks, because, well, you can get the information from the web how far the person ran, they made the final scoring on future data. So you handed your submission in, and then it was scored for four weeks of games each week. New games came in, your solution was scored, new games came in, and that's how the final score came up. That's basically the main overview of the whole competition. Yeah, cool. So are you able to talk us through the solution? Absolutely. <laughs> That's quite an interesting topic for us because as soon as people started publishing their solutions, we realized that what we did was different from everyone else's work. And it is quite interesting how we approached it and why we did it this way because we put some 
logic in it. We had a couple of ideas we thought might work and they turn out to be quite successful in this case. First of all, together with the player tracking data, we were provided some general data about the yard line, what's the current score, who is exactly the ball carrier, who's the quarterback. So quite a lot of information about the play, about the teams, like what down is it, how many yards to go, and so on. And you might think that a lot of information like this is important to make the correct prediction. Like you would expect that if it's the fourth down, then that the team would uh, risk more and so on maybe depends on the score so if the team is losing they're gonna be if not better in rushing but more volatile in rushing stuff like this first thing we discovered was that it wasn't important and what made the difference is only the player positions speeds and directions so basically it was not about who is performing the rush what's the score what is the type of the surface on the pitch which team is it but what makes the difference is where exactly the ball carrier is where is he running at which speed and what's happening in front of him speaking about the solution we tried to split it into simpler terms as soon as we're not nfl experts and we're figuring out the details of what's happening during the competition so we figured out why not to split it into simpler things. Let's remove the offensive players, look at the defensive players only, and then we see kind of a way simpler game. There is a guy with a ball who's rushing forward and 11 others are trying to stop him. This way we came up with the structure of a model which assesses each defensive player individually and then basically combines all the information about each defensive player to predict how far a rusher, a ball carrier can run, given the positions of all the defensive players. That gave us a very good model already, and we proceeded to develop it. So we included the same logic to cover all 22 players and ended up having one neural network in the end with, at first, a quite complicated structure. But when you dig and split it into pieces, you see that it's basically following the same logic. And that was the end solution. It was relatively lightweighted, to my belief, quite straightforward and quite simple. And it was quite exciting that it worked better than heavier solutions and the solutions other teams did, which had a, like a more general approach and had rather than slicing the data into pieces and just approaching the problem from a simpler one to a more complicated one. Cool. Why do you think that your, I guess, more simpler approach worked better than the more complex approaches that you were rating on the leaderboard as the competition sort of rolled on? When we started the competition, we started with some complicated approaches and different features and so on and so on. But closer to the end, when we realized what's important and what's not, we also had a good feeling of what other people are doing. And basically, they tried to apply a more popular approach these days, which tries to pick out and learn like the dependencies of what's happening on the pitch. And people were like pushing the data into such a more complicated model, which tries to figure out which pairs of players are dependent, what is important, what not, where is the offensive team, where is the defensive team to some extent. And unlike that approach, we provided a lighter version of the model, 
we provided explicit insight of what is happening in the play into the model expressed as a structure. So we clearly separated this is a defensive team, this is offensive team. These are the dependencies we assume. We basically assumed little to no team play at this particular type of play, which makes sense because all the defensive players are just trying to tackle the rusher as soon as possible, right? And we assume that the only dependencies on the field are like offensive team trying to stop to prevent defensive players tackling the rusher. So we have this insights, we have this kind of logical structure in that which we expressed in terms of the like neural network connections and that shined. As Dimitri said, basically we came in into the competition pretty much blind. So that means we had very little knowledge about NFL and we had very little knowledge about how to tackle the problem itself. So what we did is that we started, as always we do with a very simple baseline model, tried to build our, our modeling routine and figure things out how we can best approach this problem. And after a while, we, we tried to, to think a little bit more about the problem. How is the whole play looking? And basically came up with the solution that Dimitri mentioned. And other people, so either those who had experience with sports analytics, I guess they started with some heavy rather feature engineering, like, oh, if it's basically things like coming up with the area of the space of the player with Voronoi areas with... Um, some stats about the player with maybe weather and so on. And in the end, this did not matter at all, basically for this type of model, this type of problem to model. And at the same time, there was a completely un unrelated competition on Kaggle a while ago, which was about <laughs> predicting bonds between molecules. So completely a chemistry, chemistry competition, basically. And there is a type of neural network layers, which are called transformers, which are usually also used in, in text analytics. And they worked really well on that problem. So at some point, people came up with the idea, oh, the problem we are having here is interestingly quite similar to the setting of the molecule competition. So they started to use the transformers and they worked out really, really well. So I think most of the solutions behind us use this kind of transformers, but no one actually tried CNNs, I believe, and convolutional neural networks, which is part of our main solution. So they started, I guess, with a bit more complex thing because they already had this idea of it might, it might work, but they didn't start with something simpler. And we didn't have that knowledge, and we started a bit simpler, I guess, and that's how we came up with our solution. There were certain arbitrary decisions done by some of the teams and some of the contestants, and we were also considering them in the beginning. Like, for instance, assume that only half of the players which are the closest to the ball carrier are the most important ones or assume a certain order of the players, which usually a modeling algorithm wants to have like this is the first player, this is the second, and so on. So a lot of people try to order them in, with certain arbitrary logic. And we made the decision not to do it explicitly since the very beginning. So we put it up 
to the model to decide what is important and what not, and for the model to distinguish what is the way to pick up the players and arrange them properly to make the best predictions. That's quite interesting. What made you decide that as your input? So why did you decide not to have, I guess, individual player ordering? Well, naturally, we tried it first. Yeah, So we had some more classical machine learning models, like tree-based models, where we tried to somehow make it work to put in all the player information. And then you have to naturally decide on some ordering. Because if you have like 11 players, you have 11 features, let's say, the speed of each player. And then you need to somehow put them in columns and say, this is the ordering. Because... The model will pick up the first column has that speed, the second column has that speed, and so forth, and so on, and so forth. But basically, the ordering is then arbitrary. How, how do you do the ordering? You have 11 players. Do you do it maybe by distance to the rusher, which is something that worked a little bit? Or do you do it by, I don't know, the distance to the closest defender or any other kind of thing? But this is then an arbitrary ordering that you need to need to do. And soon enough, we realized that this is not something sufficient or rather efficient to do because it's an arbitrary decision by us and it limits the model to kind of figure it out on itself. So we we thought, okay, we have to work with a set. So it's an unordered thing, which is unordered number of players. And for that, we then thought about it and we, we had the idea to do it with a convolutional neural network where we have basically a kernel, which is which, which just has a size one. So not going too much into detail here, but what it does it does that it basically does not care about the ordering, but it learns the layers and the weights based on just the vector provided. And it's an unordered set that we provide. And in the end, we have some kind of pooling, which is an average pooling, which again, does not care about the ordering. So that was really, really fundamental to our solution to not put any arbitrary order of the players in model. The same applies to the positions of the players because we also have information who is the quarterback, who is the rushing back, who is wide receiver and so forth. And uh, a lot of teams try to construct some meaningful variables out of the positions, assuming that, okay, maybe wide receivers are not that important. Maybe like the linebackers or whatnot is something worth picking up so measuring the average distance to the defensive team measuring the average distance to some other positional players and so, and so on the logic and what we do was that for this particular type of play for a run play we believe at the moment of handoff it doesn't matter who's doing what as soon as the ball carrier decides to rush basically Every defender's goal at that moment is just to stop him. And it doesn't matter what position you had in the beginning of the play as a defender. What matters is where you are, where you're running, and how far, how close the ball carrier is to you. Yeah, cool. You guys also used a sort of mirroring strategy. Are you able to talk a bit more in depth about that? Yeah, sure. So we thought about how can we augment the training data. And basically, it does not matter really to the model if the play is happening on the lower half of the, of the pitch or at the upper half of the pitch. So that's why we also decided to mirror the play on the y-axis. So we transformed 
all the features on the y-axis. So that means, of course, position, just the y, the x stays the same, and all directional features that are related with the y-direction. And we did this both for the training data randomly and for the um, testing data. So when we do the prediction, we make the prediction on the data as it is, then we mirror it on the y-axis, and then we make the prediction again, and we make the average of both predictions. And that gave, gave us actually a boost to our accuracy because it gives, first of all, flexibility and robustness to the model and was quite quite helpful in the end. Cool. This competition's assessment was a little bit different where you had to give probabilities of each, I guess, uh, yard predicted. How did you go about thinking about that as a problem? We spent like the first couple of days exploring the, the metric itself because it's not a very typical one. I think we spent like first couple of days checking what's important and what's not. And basically we saw that it is quite important to focus on predicting exactly the probabilities instead of trying to predict what's the average expected yardage there. And that was it for a while. And then closer to the end of the competition, when we tried to squeeze like the last digit to improve the model with all possible remaining methods where the structure of the model was already set, all the inputs were finalized, then we tried to play around with uh, certain loss functions and metrics to fit the model better to exactly this evaluation metric, which gave us also a boost in the end. Cool. What sort of tips would you give to, I guess, other people like yourself who are approaching a problem from industry they might not be familiar with? First of all, one main tip is to never be afraid or scared to go out of your comfort zone. I often hear that people are like, they're focusing on one type of problem for all their life and they're really not too eager to go out of the comfort zone to tackle other types of problems. So as we mentioned before, I think this is a very, very important thing because it opens your horizon and you get in touch with different kinds of problems. So what would be then a tip for people who want to approach different types of problems they have never looked before? First of all, I mean, we went in pretty blind into that type of problem because I think exactly for this type of prediction problem, there was not too much related work out there. But in general, of course, it's it's a good suggestion to look into what has been done before for this type of problem and then maybe try to think how can you either implement that kind of solution or how can you improve on it and also try to bring in ideas from your own field into that new problem. And I believe that new things and new, new even state-of-the-art things can come out if you try to combine different things. And I'm sure if someone now has the insights about our model and brings in some other expertise, maybe again from a different field, he or she can improve it. So I think that's incremental stuff that happens. Otherwise, just go for it. As I said, don't be scared and see it as an opportunity to learn about new stuff and be in touch with new kinds of problems. I can add that no one knows upfront which exact skills or which exact experience will be key to the success in the competition. Neither did we when we joined uh, NFL competition. And on Kaggle, it is clear that 
in by far most the cases, the winners of the contests are not the subject matter experts. Usually these are like people who have good experience in data mining in general in different sorts of competitions. So this is a message to those who don't think they have enough expertise in the subject matter area before joining the competition. This is something which will not be the major contribution to the success in the competition. This is almost guaranteed. There were lots of dozenized physics competition lately on Kaggle where the winners were the guys who did textual analysis before, which is completely thinking outside of the box, but it's clear that like knowledge of the quantum physics was not the key of the success of that team. Same stands for us with NFL. We barely knew the rules before we joined, and we just tried different ideas and they worked. What we personally look for in the competition is sort of the data sets and the problems which are not very typical, very classical, very well explored by now. So we can be quite creative and try to think outside the box. And when someone looks for a competition to start, it might be also a good criteria to pick one. So if you pick something which is quite new to the platform, quite new to you, it might be also quite different from a lot of people. And they will be trying different random ideas coming from their subject matter areas or from their expertise or trying something just which doesn't make sense since the beginning and maybe win in the end. So don't be afraid. No one knows what is going to be the key success criteria in the end, and you might be the one who actually has the idea which beats all the others. Cool. So you guys have worked together on a few Kaggle competitions. What is it about your workflow, maybe your work style, that you think works really well together? And how would you advise maybe other people thinking about entering in like Kaggle style competitions on how to work effectively together as an analytics team? When we started around a year ago, we did not have any idea how it will work. We we just, as, as mentioned in the beginning, we were kind of interested in learning something new and trying out newer ideas and get in touch with different kinds of problems and different kinds of data. So both of us work together. That's why um, we decided to, to join the competition again together. And it worked out quite well because we won the first competition that we participated together in on, on Kaggle. So of course we, we continued to do it. We joined with other people and teaming up is really, really something good because that's also a learning process because you can learn how others work and you can implement this kind of working style also to your own routine. For us, of course, it's from competition to competition, we get more into it and we kind of streamline our whole work process better. But in general, we don't split up any any tasks upfront. It kind of emerges throughout the competition. So for example, if someone now decides to do some parameter tuning of the model, he does it and the other does something else, but that's not upfront decided on who, who does what. What is very important is that you are very communicative. So we try to talk a lot during the competition because that's how you also avoid duplicate work by talking about it. And what we also try to do is that we throw out ideas, even if we believe it's a stupid idea or a brilliant idea, and then 
the other person can also think about or other persons can think about it. And that's also usually something that helps us a lot. In general, for collaboration, it's I think there is no one solution to it. Sometimes it works, sometimes it clicks, sometimes it's a bit more complicated. But I think my main points are, as, as mentioned, be very communicative, be open to new ideas. Even you have to always also communicate if something fails, because that's also very important information. And be honest, like I have heard so many stories about Kaggle teams then where one person stops working on it and the other person is pissed. I mean, that's something common in any kind of teamwork. So honesty and then things can work out usually quite well. Cool. So, you know, one of the things about Kaggle competitions is there's usually a timeline. If you guys had more time or now that you do have more time, what would you further explore with regards to trying to predict how far a player will run? Kind of tough question because, first of all, with regards to uh, timeline of Kaggle competitions, as we recently learned, it's kind of a common feeling that they're actually rather too long. Some of them take two months, three months, and so on. We jumped into NFL very early. And by the end of the competition, which took, I think, a little bit less than two months, we were kind of a little bit exhausted because we managed to try out all the ideas we had, at least all the major ideas. And we exhausted like the mental power to think about the same problem over and over again. So by this point, we believe we perfected the structure of the model we had and the approach we had. Of course, minor details which can be improved. Probably the only thing missing at the moment is maybe another challenger approach, which is based on what we did to further improve that. But besides that, I don't see any like major ideas we could have tried, but we couldn't because of the timeline. So what are next steps for you guys now that you've won? First of all, we, we got really interested in the field. So it's definitely something that we want to explore further. As I mentioned, in this kind of problem, we only had, for example, this one frame of the handoff. And there is so much more data in NFL tracking data, in other types of sports tracking data, in other types of non-tracking data. And I believe there is specifically a lot of room for predictive analytics and trying to assess things better with terms of predictive uh, models. And naturally, we have some kind of of, of ideas, but we have not started on anything, but we want to be more involved in the in the community. It seems also a very, very open and friendly community as we learned mostly on Twitter. And we have not been in touch with the community or the field before. So also thanks to everyone uh, kind of welcoming us here. So we have no concrete plans, but there is definitely a plan for both of us to continue working on it. We have not figured out in which kind of way exactly, but we have plenty of ideas. And I guess also a lot of people inside the analytics field have a lot of ideas that they aim to explore further. When we started to look at the data, we questioned whether there will be certain signal in the data in the first place, if you know what I mean. Sometimes you have tons of the data and you want to predict something, but there is no like predictive value in the inputs you have. And as it turned out, during the competition, the tracking data is really important. It helps to predict the yardage of the run plays. And you can check the leaderboard of the Kaggle competition and you see there's 
whole range of scores there. So it is there. There are dependencies. There is definitely value of this data for analyzing the plays, the individual plays, the team plays, predicting certain tactical choices and stuff like this. It got us also to believe that, to a certain extent, even the approach we took for running place estimation can be extended to other plays and other types of the plays in the NFL and maybe other types of the analysis based on the tracking data. So we're really excited to potentially continue working with this data and open to the ideas of how this data can be used to maybe assess the players, assess the certain types of plays, the strategies, and so on. It also got us thinking of how valuable such tracking data can be in other sports. And that would be also, if I dream big, it might be a very cool experience for us also maybe to dig into sports analytics in other types of sports, maybe NHL, maybe European football, who knows? Yeah, maybe helping Arsenal do a bit better next season. I wish, I wish. Okay, well, thank you both for taking the time out and I hope you had a lot of fun and I hope that this leads to some really wonderful, fantastic things down the line for you both. Thanks a lot, Robert. It was great fun being here. Thanks for the invitation. Thanks for doing the podcast. And we also hope that there will be plenty of new ideas to explore in the field. Thanks a lot. Thanks you for having us. Thank you for the nice podcast. <laughs>